It's the Everything Salt Lake All at Once podcast with Tracy and Jim. Hi, and, I'm Tracy. And we have Ted Kundick with us today. Glad to be here. Thank you. So Ted is, I keep telling everybody, Ted's like Mr. Utah. And that's Jim's like his title thing. for you. It's, I don't Seriously. know why. It just is my thing. Did you run for Mr. Utah, Ted? I did not run for Mr. In Utah. your younger days. And anybody who thinks I am Mr. Utah might be a little confused. But... <laughs> <laughs> I've been called a little confused. It's unscripted. It's conversational. It's uniquely Utah and Salt Lake. Get ready for the Everything Salt Lake All at Once podcast with Jim and Tracy Nielsen. Constantly, yeah. I think it's, I think it's one thing that uh, everybody kind of agrees on. Isn't Jim a little confused? Yeah, most things? definitely. Um, so tell us about yourself. Well, I grew up in East Mill Creek. I lived for the first 18 years of my life within a mile radius. Two different houses. And then the next 10 years of my life, I lived all over the world. I lived huh. in Jerusalem, in the Dominican Republic, and Germany, and Virginia, and Texas, and Ohio. And then after living in Texas three years, in 2007, I moved back to Utah, moved back within the same one mile radius, <laughs> and I've lived the last 16 years. I did not know any of radius. that. Did you know any of that? No. no. So Jerusalem, why was it? I was doing a study abroad. Oh, really? With BYU Jerusalem Center. You graduated from BYU. No. That was the only semester I went to BYU. Really? I graduated from the University of Utah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did you get my message the other day about the Ken Garf scholarships thing? Yeah, I did. Yeah, Anna and Aaron turned us on to that, and it was so weird. We're like... We'll check it out. And we went up there and it's like they have this kind of whole section of Rice Eccles Stadium. And they have a, a restaurant up there and just like they do events and stuff. We're like, yeah, we'll do it. So did you join? Yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah, we did. did. Yeah, it's not too bad. And then I kind of like. <laughs> and we're so not football people. <laughs> like at all. Well, we're looking at the same like. Man, do you know we're not football people? Because this is pretty cool. Maybe we, maybe we should be more football people. <laughs> That's what I said. Like, maybe we should be more football people. And it's exciting. Those football games, when you get 50,000 people in there. Yeah? Do you guys go crazy. all the time? I go to most football games. Really? Unless I have play rehearsal in December. <laughs> I definitely puts a damper on things. I haven't been since college, and I think I only really? went to two games. When Did you go to the university? Yeah. I went to the U and graduated there. You graduated from there, yeah. Yeah. So, but... I wasn't a big football person, <laughs> but they're exciting. I went to high school games. I remember. I don't know why for the social aspect of it. I'm sure. <laughs> well, now we're going to be going to a lot of football games. Um, <clears throat> as are our kids and our kids aren't sports kids either. So they're like, <laughs> well, we say this and then we go there for that night just to check it out and stuff. I'm like, where's Xander? And we look at in the stadium bleachers and he's running up and down the bleachers. <laughs> <laughs> oh like, do they allow that? I guess they do. Cool. Yeah. So let's walk this back. So Jerusalem, and then where next? So from the from Jerusalem, I came back to Salt Lake for just like a month, and then I went to the Dominican Republic on a mission. Okay. Two years in the Dominican Republic. Came home from there and went back to school at the U. Mm-hmm. And I was two and a half more years at the U because I'd done a year before I went to Jerusalem. So why did you switch from the Y to the U? Um. I was a Utah fan at heart, but the Utah didn't have an, the kind of opportunity in Jerusalem that BYU had. My grandparents had been church service 
volunteers in Jerusalem Yeah, when I was 12 and 13 and 14. So I was excited to go see what they had experienced. That's pretty cool. So I, I worked my tail off during high school and after high school to save up money to, to be able to go do that study abroad. Mm-hmm. And it was a great summer. I had a fabulous time in Jerusalem. I can't even imagine that. I, I you know. It's a cool place. Yeah, so sure. you're like so 18 years old and you took off? Yeah, I was 18 years old. Holy cow. Went with a bunch of students who were 22, 23, 24. Uh-huh. It was really unique. There were only a couple other 18-year-olds in the group. And, uh, but I made a lot of good friends and had a lot of good experiences. And the, the Jerusalem's amazing because of the mix of cultures. Uh-huh. Yeah. With the Arabs and Israelis and Christians and everybody trying to get along and doing a Barely decent job. <laughs> Barely decent job. <laughs> um, what did you study then at the University of Utah? Uh, accounting. Really? Yeah. Huh. And I was, I did not have plans to go to law school. I was planning to be an accountant and then. Be a boring accountant. I was going to be a boring, straight-laced accountant. <laughs> and then uh, somewhere along the way, I decided, I started thinking I probably want to go to grad school. And I decided to go to law school. Um, I got to a point where accounting was kind of, it wasn't much fun the first few years because you learn how to do accounting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My last year at the U, I learned why you do accounting. And it was fascinating to me. Shouldn't they teach that the first year and then teach you the how (laughs) later? (laughs) I may have stuck with it in the accounting direction. (laughs) But uh, by then I decided I was going to law school and I... Really wanted to go back to the East Coast to go to law school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I um, applied to several schools on the East Coast, got into, <coughs> excuse me, got into William and Mary mm-hmm. in Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh-huh. And I didn't even go out there and check out the campus. I just knew it was on the East Coast and I knew it would be beautiful and it was. And so my wife and I drove out to Williamsburg and started school the week after we got there. Wow. Holy cow. How long have you guys been married then at that time? We've been married about a year. Uh-huh. Wow. So we we were married for a year. Jody taught high school at Waterford for a year. Did she? Oh, really? Interesting. And then she got a job in Virginia without ever going out. She interviewed over the phone. Uh-huh. There were video interviews back then. They right. hired her on the spot. So she interviewed over the phone and they hired her on the spot. They were thrilled <laughs> to have a math teacher who wanted to come to Virginia. Uh-huh. So we packed our little car and drove out to Virginia and lived there for three years. Wow. Mm-hmm. During the summers of law school, one of the summers I worked for the JAG Corps as a civilian employee in Germany. And so I flew out to Germany on... Like May 1st, and Jody finished teaching school, and then she flew out and joined me. We were there all summer, and I was working a little bit learning about people who filed claims against the military in Germany, uh-huh. and then a little bit about helping soldiers either with their common legal problems or also with uh, prosecutions. So all the soldiers would leave Germany and go up to Amsterdam. Use drugs. Get in trouble. Uh-huh. Get busted. Come uh-huh. on down. Holy <laughs> so, It was an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So just to define the JAG Corps, it's the lawyers for the military. How would you describe yeah. it? Yeah. So JAG stands for Judge Advocate General, and it's it's the lawyer arm of the military. Yeah. And every branch has their own JAG Corps. So the show that you see on TV is Navy JAG, mm-hmm. but Army has their own JAG. I was working for the Army JAG. Okay. That's cool. 
So why back here? Well, what drew you back to Utah? It's a good question. You know, I, it, it, there was a lot of different things. We ask it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> One, I just, I love Utah. I mean, I, I grew up here and it was home. I wanted to come home. I wanted to not come home for a long time. I mean, yeah, my time in Virginia was something I totally wanted to leave Utah for. After I finished law school, I went to Texas and did a clerkship for a judge for three years. And I really wanted another adventure then. Uh-huh. What part of Texas, just out of curiosity? Tyler, Texas. Tyler, Texas. Halfway between Dallas and Shreveport, Louisiana. Do you wow. know where Tyler, Texas is? I, I know where Tyler yeah. is. Just, I've never been there, but I do. <laughs> that is That was our hometown for three years. Huh. But uh, ultimately, we wanted to get back to Utah. We wanted to get back around family. Extended family was a big part of it. So why did we come back from Texas? Uh, ultimately, we wanted to be home. We wanted to be by family. There were, um, you know, great things about Utah, and it just felt like time to come home after being gone for a long time. But Utah's so much better because we've got... Well, we used to have four seasons. Yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> hey, we have four seasons still. Sometimes they only last a week. But <laughs> I think spring's coming uh, for tomorrow. And spring comes and then the winter next comes. Summer yeah. the next day. The second winter, then summer. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody listens to this a couple of years in the future, this is the year. Well, this is a very interesting year, actually, because we got more snow this year than I think historically ever that we recorded, right? Alta so has Alta has nine hundred inches of snow this year. Really that crazy. Just I think bananas. the biggest winter in the past was like seven hundred and forty eight inches. Yeah. And so and then nineteen eighty three, do you remember that when the flooding happened? That's one of my stuff? earliest memories is, is, is I remember going downtown to see the flood down. Were you like down eight years Street. old or something? <laughs> I was How like old were you? Six, oh, you were younger than that. Yeah. Six? six years old. Yeah. Did and you I see the boats? Going the to boats see going there, the, the water canoes just and stuff. Right down the street, and all the sandbags piled up along the side. Yeah, of the road. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was crazy. I remember, you know, you did too, sandbagging. Yeah, and then people would go down in their canoes, and you know, the, I looked back at some news footage of it, and there's like guys fishing because the fish. I mean, everything would come everything down from came the mountains, down. right? I can't imagine everybody anybody actually caught a fish in that. <laughs> they, they were just out there. For it, the was just it was it just posing. It was posing. But uh, but it lined up the same way this year's lining up, which is, you know, snow, snow, snow. And then all of a sudden it just heat waves, yeah. right? And then all the water comes gushing down. So we're all waiting to see what happens. Some people have already been flooded. Have you been watching that? A little bit. Yeah. 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 That was, I guess there was a culvert on 17th South that kind of got blocked. And so. Yeah, I heard that. The water started to go over the road and people turned out to do sandbags again. And yeah. they Moved the river right down the street for the night. Yeah. Well, then the water table's getting so high. Did you see the two houses in Draper? Yeah. Yeah. Holy so two houses in Draper fell right off the hill. And it was, that was dramatic. I've never seen that before. Luckily, the government had seen last fall that that was a possibility. And so they'd vacated the house. Yeah, I heard like October, they evacuated them. But yeah, I've never, never seen that. Well, I guess that teaches you not to build your house on a hill, doesn't it? I guess so. <laughs> Build it somewhere flat. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So um yeah, so we'll see what happens this year. But the seasons are nice. I mean, generally speaking. Yeah, no, right? it's lovely here. Jim and I can't seem to get away from Utah, as you know, because we move away and no, you tried come back. once or twice. Yeah. A few times. Found yourself coming a few back. A few times, yeah. yeah. Well, a couple of times for work and then a couple of times because I have gypsy blood, right? And so we're like, let's go to California, right? Um and then, yeah, I don't know. It's funny because there are other more exotic, exciting places to live. 
But I think you get to a point, and I think that's where we are right now, because we've talked about this. We're so old. <laughs> and exhausted. No, that's not it. But it's get to the point where you're just like, you know, it's so much easier to live here, right, than other places in the world. And you just know everything and know everything. Maybe it's being kind of native, right? You know everybody, you know everything, you know the systems, and, and people were pretty forgiving here. Yeah. You get into trouble here, and I mean, I could tell you stories when we were kids. I'm sure you could tell me stories when you were kids. But uh, you did some of that stuff in another city, you'd be in jail, right? And we grew up in Sandy, and the Sandy police were just very forgiving of stupid teenagers, that is for sure. They understood you kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it about Salt Lake versus Utah, do you think? Like some people don't like Salt Lake. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Like people up north are like, I'm not living in Salt Lake. No, there's no way. No, I've got a brother-in-law who doesn't want any part of Salt Lake. He grew up in, uh, I'm drawing a blank now on, uh, what is the name of that? Is that up north? No, down south um, in central Utah. There's oh, Richfield. Richfield. Oh, Richfield. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He grew up in Richfield. And my sister has tried several times to bring him back to Salt Lake. And he lasts about a year and he just can't do it. <laughs> he tries it and can't the, do it. The uh, the traffic just drives him nuts. And, and you know, you saw like traffic compared to a lot of big cities. It's like nothing. nothing. But compared to a small town. Compared to Richfield, it's something. It's There are way more people here than there are in Richfield. Yeah, so. that's for sure. But I understand it. I mean, I he's lived in Vernal now for many years and he's mm -hmm. very happy out there. And yeah. and there's a lot more space and a lot more, a lot fewer people. Uh -huh. So Yeah. Yeah. And then people in Salt Lake. Um, well, Salt Lake's becoming more metropolitan. Like we're kind of exploring more of Salt Lake now that we're doing real estate together and and kind of trying to understand the different dynamics. And there's like a real – we're not part of it, understand. It's like a real <laughs> hip population here, right? And, I notice that with young people. I mean, I see a lot of young people who, you know, for better or worse, it's hard to afford a house. And you see a lot of them buying condos and living living in more vertical spaces. Yeah, than, for sure. Than maybe what we grew up around. Or even the stuff they're building in Mill Creek right now. Yeah. Right. They're just building up. Right. Because yeah. here they can't build out. There's nowhere to build out too. Right. Right. So, and that becomes a lifestyle and you just kind of see that like you're saying. And um, a younger generation to. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we ponder that all the time. Like, what do you do? What do you do if you're 20 to 30 and you can't afford a house? You know, do you afford a condo? Do you do a townhome? Do you go in with other people? Do you do it as an investment? And then have roommates. Some people have been doing that. It's interesting how it's changing the dynamic. It is. It is. And so another dynamic. So tell me what you think about this too, because there's another dynamic where if you sell a house right now, it's selling for a lot, right? Like if you bought your house seven years ago, let's imagine you bought it for 400000 right? Today it'd be worth a million, which is bananas, right? Yeah. So let's say the kind or of- at least Nine hundred. Sure, nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand and nine hundred and ninety-nine. <laughs> right. So let's say y'all moved out, and somebody bought your house. That would be a. Here's what I always think about. That would be a completely different socioeconomic person who moves into that neighborhood, right? As the people who lived there, and so you start to get this sort of dichotomy of different um, stratospheres, I guess. Yeah. And have you noticed that or what do you think about that? That's interesting. And I, I think it's true. I mean, the kinds of families who move into my neighborhood now are different than the ones that moved in in 2007 when I first moved in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, um, 
you generally need two incomes if you're going to be able to afford to live in this neighborhood now. And right. Sure. And, or, you know, trust fund baby. Yeah. Or otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> or just a lot of, let's just face it, just a lot of, of us money. can't choose that. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah. Well, Mill Creek's, so those family move, those families that you see move in now, how are they different? Uh, two incomes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think when I was growing up, you know, I remember the neighborhood I grew up in, we, there were so many kids, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> there were five kids in my family. We were a small family. Right. <laughs> and I remember like Sunday nights, we'd all gather together in a cul-de-sac and, and play kick the can or something. Hello. Right. Yeah. Not hundreds of kids, but it was 20 kids. Yeah. Right. At least. Right. Yeah. And that was the 20 who happened to show up and it could be 20 different ones the next Sunday. Right. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, you know, a five kid family is, those are the big families on the street. Right. And right. Three or two kids. Many kids don't go outside to play kick the can anymore or whatever. Well, and it's also, it seems like there's not a lot of, kind of on that same place, I guess, is there's not a lot of young families moving in to either because most people have to be a little bit more established to even be able to afford, at least up in this area, you know. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like there's quite, I just know with Rosecrest that, you know, the population has, you know, it's not really growing like it used to, I guess. It's growing on the a, west side, the isn't it? Yeah, it is definitely yeah, on, the west, on the west side. Yeah, it's growing on the west side. And there's so much out there on the west side. Totally. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It's beautiful out there. And you go, I want to live out here. <laughs> well, like it. Daybreak, have you ever yeah. driven out to Daybreak, I'm sure. Sure, right? Yeah. yeah. And then we had a friend, or, you know, Matt Gus, Matt and his family. Uh-huh. Um, they lived in Harriman, Harriman for a long oh, time. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's like Daybreak and then so. I know. Well, then, the first show that he did with us, he and Lori did with us the first play. What it's a wonderful life that yeah. you start in. Thank you. Um, he he and Lori drove from Harriman back and forth to be a part of the show. Crazy. Just and they never complained about it. I don't know like if that was ever. by design. Like Those they, are good friends. Like yeah, they just swore right? we're never going to complain about it, but they already did. Serious. That's and then they moved up friends. to Salt Lake. How many years ago? Right before the pandemic, like right before the pandemic. Like 18, 19? No, it was 19. It was literally like months before we were all yeah. shut down. And now they're wow. up on like Foothill Drive and about okay. 17th. So they're but close now. Yeah. 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 And but they refuse to do a show with us now. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can always talk Matt into doing something. Yeah. <laughs> He'll perfect his um, Italian, his Italian Chinese accent one day. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's a master of all the accents at once. Hey, it's one community time. theater. Come on. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about community theater for a minute. Well, that's, I mean, what made you decide, I guess, when we first met, because we didn't know you before. Um, that's interesting. You know, I okay. I did acting in high school and a little bit right out of high school. My uh-huh. first year of college, I was in a couple of community shows. But then I went many, many years without doing any acting, just busy with other stuff. Traveling the world. Yeah, traveling the world, seeing other places. <laughs> Having an actual career instead of, yeah. Trying to earn some money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> failing miserably. <laughs> but I, I I remember being at a show, uh, maybe at Hale or I don't remember where I was at, but just watching a, a community theater show and thinking, you know, I really miss this. Right. Mm-hmm. This is something that I loved and it was a big part of me a long time ago. And I'd love to do it again. And so... I was. I had some things going on in my life that had me quite busy at the time, but I, I remember seeing the end of those things ahead and thinking, a year from now, when my life's a little simpler, 
I'm going to try and find an opportunity. And so I was watching for an opportunity and I saw an announcement about auditions. Uh Uh-huh. So I wasn't completely sure when I read the announcement whether it was just a kid's show or or for families and adults. And uh-huh. so I asked my kids if they were interested in being in the show, and they were. And so I decided I'd take them down to the auditions. No, it was, no, that was a Christmas Carol. Carol. A Christmas Carol. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I was there at the auditions, and I wasn't even certain whether I was going to audition or not because I wasn't clear on whether it was a show involving adults or if it was a kid's show. We obviously were so great at our advertisement. <laughs> There's a couple of divots in our skill set. <laughs> so I, I decided, I got down there and I saw that there were some adults auditioning. I thought, okay, well, here's my chance to do a show with my kids. And that was really, a you know, what sold me on the opportunity. I don't know that, I don't know that I'd feel real comfortable doing a show where my kids weren't in it. And, right. Uh, yep. And it wasn't a family thing and family time. Right. But when you can count all the rehearsal time as family time, it makes it a lot easier to make the kind of commitment it takes to do community theater. Definitely. And that's the one thing that we have always strived for is like, like I remember, actually, was it, it was that show actually. Jordan. Jordan and. Um, Angela. Angela. Yeah. LeBaron. Um doing the show. Do you remember it in auditions and they have those, <laughs> those little, little rugrats yeah. like climbing all over them in rehearsal? I don't remember auditioning as much as scenes. rehearsals when they're like, and they're like, started to apologize. They're like, no, 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 no. You can stay focused We're, on this. <laughs> if you could do this, let's do it. I remember them not both coming to the same night of rehearsal. Like one of them would stay with the kids and the other uh-huh. one would come one night and then they'd switch it up. And and they they, like, they and had some scenes where they were both on yeah, there, right? Yeah, came to like running it or something. It was like, oh, well. <laughs> <Running the> kids. <laughs> so that's funny because we, you know, I mean, that's a conscious choice. Like Tracy said, we've talked about that. It's like, you know, if, well, first of all, there was no theater on the east side, really, that you didn't have to pay an arm and a leg to be in, which we thought was wrong. Um, but then, you know, like you said, community theater means family theater. And so being able to do it with your family and making those allowances, that you might not see that at like a bigger, I can't imagine a smaller, but a bigger theater. Right. Or like hail. Like a I hail mean, theater. Right. Yeah. Way, you know. And so, yeah, that was very much by design. So that's interesting you say that and, and nice to hear. It's, it's been great. I've had a blast doing it. And my kids, you know, it's a memorable part of our family lore. Right. Our experiences in plays. <laughs> our kids, like, it's like pulling arms or something. Or, yeah, pulling teeth. Or when arms is and legs and teeth. Tooth, toothpicks under yeah. their fingernails or something. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But then at the end of it, they always say, that was really fun. Yep. They're we're so glad. Yeah, yeah. We're so glad we did it. Yeah. 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 So how many shows have you done now? You've done? Four, I think. Four, I think, too. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, and The Bishop's, the Bishop's Wife. Mm-hmm. So, speaking on that line, I guess, Jody, had she done theater prior she had to that? Never, well, she'd been in high school shows. Yeah, she but, had, like, she'd acted in them and yeah, stuff. Yeah, she'd been uh-huh. in her high school musicals. Uh-huh. But she, of course, hadn't done anything since high school, and she came along willingly the year that the whole family was in It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. life. Mm-hmm. We had a blast that year. All seven of us were in the play. That's yeah. insane. That's so great. That's cool. What other things that do you and your family do together, I guess, here in Utah that's um, besides the wonderful Mill Creek Community <laughs> Theater, of course. One thing that we do that's, I, I think, probably unique is that we love to go canoeing on the Jordan River. Interesting. And so we have three canoes uh-huh. and three or four Saturdays each summer, we'll take our canoes down to the Jordan River and... 
Uh, we drop them off in one spot and go move a car to where we're going to get out of the river. And then we load up the canoes and float for a couple hours. That's maybe awesome. longer. That's uh-huh. cool. And uh, see the Jordan River that way. It's a lot of fun. So this year should be really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this year's bring <laughs> your to decide when bring your you know, level three rapids. Enough that we feel safe going to do <laughs> right. it. Can be like rapid rafts now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's interesting. It's how, a fun. How how big is that? How wide or is the Jordan? Is it vary in it areas? It varies a little bit, but it never gets it never gets super wide. Uh-huh. You know, I bet it's never more than thirty yards wide. Even though maybe, maybe it might get up to 40 yards in some spots. There's kind of a wide spot at about 21st South that um, just gets wide and shallower. Have they projected how the water is going to affect it? Have they looked at like, is it going to flood over obviously or? I haven't paid attention to to see that, but I know that, I know that they just announced that um, Deer Creek is releasing a bunch of water that will ultimately go feed through the Jordan River and into the Great Salt Lake. Hmm. And so I know that they anticipate the Jordan River being a lot higher than normal. Yeah. And that might make it hard to get under some of the underpasses. <laughs> because it rises right up to the underpass. Yeah. Sometimes it's just you might a, have to get the boat, go over the yeah, underpass. You might have to take the boat on portage across the road. But um, I'm sure we'll do it this year because it'll be, It'll be better with a little more water than yeah. some years where the water's really low. Well, it's funny they've said. That. I mean, the Great Salt Lake obviously has been down to like I think it's, it's lowest, lowest level ever, low, right? Yeah. And so now we have all this water that's going to come down. So it kind of gets down to that point. Now it's going to come back up and get down to that point. And you know, I think that happens a little bit with the Great Salt Lake. Yeah. You always see things like salt air, right, which kind of establish something and they get washed out or dried out. One or the other, other, right? We're not (laughs) sure which it's going to be, but that stuff happens all the time. That's interesting. Yeah. Like if you moved here, again, part of our, you know, part of our prospective audience, right? We would think are people who are thinking, well, what's Salt Lake like? What do you do? Uh, What do families do? So what are some interesting things to do here, do you think? Well, I love the canyons too. And in all my, in all the other places I've lived, I've never seen anything quite like the canyons that are right next to the city here in Salt Lake. And so my family spends a lot of time in the summer up the canyon. Uh And that's usually going for a picnic up Mill Creek Canyon. There are lots of uh, picnic sites where there are tables and fire pits. And yeah, you just drive up and they just have these little parking lots. And like just pull 15 off. minutes away or something. Yeah. Like yeah. And then yeah. you just go into the, yeah, just a little bit into the forest and they have those. Uh, and when, when the weather's hot in Salt Lake City, you know, you, you drop 10 or 15 degrees just by driving 15 miles up the canyon. Right. 15 minutes up the canyon, eight miles up the canyon. So we do that all summer. We love to go up for breakfast on 24th of July. So mm, yeah, almost so always, go, like go up and make breakfast. Yeah, like, so kinda... we'll go up at the the sites open at eight o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. There are gates that close the parking areas, so we'll go up right at eight. And those who are in charge of getting breakfast ready first get there right at eight and start cooking Dutch oven breakfast and camp stove breakfast, and then everybody else comes. My extended family comes, and we spend a good part of the day on the twenty fourth of July. How many people get up there? Yeah, probably 20, 25. That's awesome. Yeah. Like that. 
That's fun. That's a lot of fun. Is yep. that is the can? Did the canyons get pretty crowded for like the twenty fourth and stuff like that? I've always been surprised that they don't get that crowded. Huh. Like I always think, oh, it's going to be crowded. I got to hurry up there and get get, get a campsite, right, right? Yeah. And in my experience, there aren't a lot of other people doing that the morning of the twenty fourth. Right. By the afternoon, it starts to fill up. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it. We're not alone. You know, right. there are other people doing it, but the, but it's not. It's not like every side is full and right. you can never get a cider. Right. Yeah. Or get up there right as they open. Yeah, I imagine you yeah. guys always get some. Which is another thing about Utah. I mean, if, you know, if you did that, like, um, like we lived in California, you know, you'd have campsites up in the mountains, like Big Bear and things like that. And like, you forget about it. You know, yeah. a big holiday like that, they're booked out months in advance, right? And this Utah, and the population here, even though it's growing, it never really seems... Maybe if you live in Richfield, it does. But it never, <laughs> it never really seems that expansive that you can't do the things you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like uh, it just—it's manageable. There, there are people around, but there are never a ton of people around. And right. Like, like traffic. I think in other cities I've lived in, traffic is always an issue, and it's not like it's rarely an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe we're spoiled because we live on the east side of. It's not like we don't go down I-15 at rush hour, but yeah, we but, some, but we do sometimes, and it's never really that bad. Well, I now mean, that we're doing real estate, we hit it a little bit more now during the times. So we're like, oh no, where did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to remind him, remember living in LA? Yeah, yeah. And we're then okay. like, a, and then like the uh, yeah, and then there's the West Side Freeway, Bangator, right? Which yeah. is kind of a it's a freeway, it's a road, it's a freeway, right? Uh, and then two fifteen going down and around the city, and so sometimes I can get a little. A little crowded. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> By Utah standards. Um, so your whole family lives up here. It's interesting to talk about the east side, west side, north side, south side, right? Because Salt Lake is not just broken up into neighborhoods, but it seems like there's like these kind of, I don't want to say cultural, that's too strong of a word, right? But kind of these rifts, like these are east side issues or people or whatever, right? These are West Side or this is Harriman or this is Daybreak. And and then you have on the North Side, right? You have Bountiful and North Salt Lake and out there towards Farmington and Centerville and all those sorts of things, right? And then you have going South, sorry, we kind of Draper, you go over the hill and then you get to Utah County, which is a whole different, you know, ball game over there. Yep. Right? They're their own world over there in Utah County. I'll give County. you an example of this. <laughs> um, my daughter, about three years ago, decided that she really wanted to play softball. Uh-huh. She was about 10 years old at the time. And I started looking around for opportunities on the east side for a softball league. And it was really hard to find anything that was a serious softball league. It was just, there wasn't a lot up here on the east side. Uh-huh. But in Taylorsville, softball is a huge deal. Yeah. Really? And Perfect. So yeah. we learned about the Taylorsville Youth Softball League. And we decided, okay, we're going to sign our daughter up for the Taylorsville Youth Softball League. And uh, we, we got her on a team and we go out the first day. They have opening day at the Taylorsville Youth <laughs> Softball League. It's on a Saturday and every team comes to this field, field. this complex that has four fields. Uh-huh. And they have a flag ceremony. And the national anthem is sung. Holy cow. And they're cooking hot dogs out there for everybody. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's opening day. It's like a uh-huh. deal. It's a deal. Oh, it's wow. fabulous. Huh. But, you know, we couldn't even find a league on the east side. But in Taylorsville, right. that's a big deal. Right. Perfect example. And yeah. so Callie, our daughter Callie had a blast playing softball at the Taylorsville Youth Softball League. And 
she uh, met girls who play softball at Taylorsville High and and Hunter High, and now when she plays for Skyline, she'll run into those oh, friends yeah, that she played neat. Taylorsville U softball with. Yeah. yeah, and it's never really actually that far away, right? We how long did it take you to get out there? <laughs> to get out to um, to the fields in Taylorsville, it's eighteen minute drive or something like that. Yeah. So totally manageable. Yeah, right. we did do some practicing out in West Jordan, a little farther. Was, a little bit further out, and it would maybe take me 20, 35 minutes or, you know, something like that to get out to practice. And that was a little bit yeah annoying, but we had a good time. <laughs> yeah. And those those distances, like for Utahns, those are, those are distances. Anything over 20 minutes is like a distance, right? Yeah. And then again, you compare that against other cities where people are commuting for an hour and a half, two hours, and they come to Utah. And we've had these conversations, and they go... You guys don't have to commute anywhere. Everything is under like 40 minutes. I don't know what you're talking about. It's crazy, huh? Yeah. It was just that that gauge we judge things by changes no matter where we're at. Yeah. Well, and that you feel, I think Utah is very unique in that you feel safe to have your child out in a Taylorville like that's that far away. Or, you know, I mean, everyone, I don't know, we're, we feel like such a safe place. Of course we have problems here and there and stuff but it's still it's like i'm sure you didn't even question it it was just like this is what we're doing yeah that's where she's gonna be you know yeah. kind of thing and that i don't know that was one thing that drew us back when we had first had our little kids when xander was just little it was like jim <laughs> he was like okay we're not gonna raise him in this state we won't go into that but <laughs> um we're, we need to get back home you know that sort of thing and and it just it really is just such a safe a safe place, I think, yeah. to raise your family. And Even to... the places you don't think are safe or have kind of a funny reputation. Like we lived in Sugar House, but we called it Sugarhood. Yeah. Right? Because we... it was like South Salt Lake, <laughs> kind like of a... Sugar House. It was like 9th South and 27th, or excuse me, 9th East and 27th South. Right? And so that's a perfectly safe area. But even by, by Utah then, it's like, oh, it's getting a little sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> the bakery's next to the mechanic. I that's don't know right. if I like that. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. it's, it's something just really unique. I'm very thankful for, yeah. you know. Yeah, kids still play in the street. And, oh, I'll tell you a funny real quick story. So we lived out in California, this place called Temecula. And we wanted our kids to play in the street. And there were other kids. But in Temecula, even though Temecula was a fairly safe city, when the kids, when the kids played in the street, all the parents sat out and watched them. They all would come out with They'd their launchers and sit chairs, out on the driveway. Like a bottle of wine. Or and watch their kids Because they didn't feel play. safe. And we lived on... Um, <laughs> it was a cul-de-sac. A cul-de-sac. Wow. In Temecula. And if you know Temecula, it's, it's a very safe city. such a clean, city. such a beautiful place. And now we're just like, you know, I think it's still that sense of like, okay, well, don't go too far. You know, make sure you get to your friend's house. And yeah, it's crazy the difference. That's it is. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. I just appreciate that. It's still, even though we're a larger city, we still have the, that same kind of small town feel, it seems like, no matter where you are. And How do you feel like that's changed over time? Like when you grew up here versus now, is it safer or less safe? Because you're a lawyer, so you kind of probably have a good beat well, on these things. I'm not that kind of lawyer, so I don't, I don't <laughs> know. Because I'll get you to look at crime maps all or something. <laughs> you, all know but, you know, one thing I've noticed that's different is... Um, I remember growing up, me and my friends, it seemed like every afternoon, and I'm sure it wasn't, but it seemed like every afternoon we were playing basketball in somebody's driveway, or we were playing football in the backyard, or riding bikes somewhere. 
where I actually remember that we we learned about this game lacrosse that nobody had heard about in uh-huh. Utah at the time, but we could watch it on ESPN. You know, at eight in the morning on a Tuesday in the summer. <laughs> when things were scheduled on TV. Exactly. Yeah. Where anybody under 30 is like, why can't you so, just turn it on anytime you want to? So we all decided to buy <clears throat> lacrosse sticks, but you couldn't get the real lacrosse sticks. So we just got these little plastic lacrosse sticks. Uh-huh. And then we didn't have gloves or equipment. And so we just got our winter gloves out. Uh-huh. Put them on our hands, nice. And then we went and played lacrosse. <laughs> but, you know, whether it was lacrosse or football or baseball, <clears throat> excuse me, or basketball, we were always playing something mm-hmm. and we were playing until it got d- dark. And yeah, then, right. You know, when it got dark, you knew you needed to be home. Right. And I think that that's a little different now. I watch my kids and they don't go do games. You know, they don't go play basketball with their friends mm-hmm. unless it's basketball practice for uh-huh. their league team. Uh-huh. They don't go play soccer unless it's soccer practice. So everything's more scheduled, more, it's more organized now. And if it's not organized, they don't just like kind of organize themselves. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think it's, I mean, we see that not just with our kids, but I think like you get these sense of like, well, let's get together. We'll have a, we'll have a date to get together or the kids plan something to get together and do something. And um, we were like you where we just had our friends. We knew we could go to their house and knock on their door and say, can Chris play? Yeah. <laughs> or they come to our house or whatever yeah. and uh yeah it's just it's 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 funny how the culture moves yeah and i don't want to say it's less safe now because i think statistically there's an argument there. it's not more safe now right um we just have this perception right of how we do it yeah a perception of more structure for everything that goes mm-hmm. on yeah yeah like Tracy and I grew up on for a while, grew up on the same street and her and her friends like would sleep out on the lawn and then go running around the neighborhood all night long. Of course, they never toilet papered anybody. That's good. No, we always toilet paper. <laughs> not supposed to admit that. No, we did. We did. We always toilet papered. And it was just like, and that was, you know, okay. And now if you see a bunch of... <laughs> I remember a police officer in the middle of the night. It's like two in the morning or something like that. We're in one of our friend's little car. We're all shoved in this car kind of thing. <laughs> and he pulls us over in some neighborhood that we had just toilet papered. I mean, it was a little further down. So, And he's like, shouldn't you kids be in, you know, at home? Do your parents know where you are? <laughs> and this one friend of mine is like... Oh, officer, I'm so sorry. We are on our way. And she was like so polite to him. He was like, okay, well, get home. You know, that kind of thing. It was just like. Or now they have everybody on the hood. <laughs> Maybe. Car search. <laughs> but also, I think it's one thing here in Mill Creek. This is kind of something that they're trying to reestablish. It's sort of that is that um, community or that that playfulness i think that mill creek is trying to kind of bring back in a sense or the central like, kind of meeting place like the <laughs> whatever, whatever that was um like the mill creek common yeah yeah, yeah that they're yeah. just kind of trying to kind of bring that feel back and i really appreciate that do you guys go down there the mill creek commons is great i'm excited about it it's, yeah. it's good now and i think it's just gonna get better and better as yeah. things go on but that skating loop is a lot of fun. We've been roller skating and ice skating, so mm-hmm. it's a good time. Yeah. Rory and I got roller skates last year, so you know, we're like roller derby. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked to, uh, and we'll have Amy on our podcast, but we talked to Amy the other day, and she was 
saying, you know, they have plans for a miniature golf course and a skating section, like for not just skates, but also skateboards, uh, like a section as a half pipe. And then, I mean, it's just, it's interesting how, I really like Mill Creek for this reason. It's interesting how we're trying to bring community back uh, to community, right? Yeah. And it's not like it's a regentrification of an area. It's just kind of reconceptualizing that sense of we all kind of belong here together. Well, I think you see that too in Mill Creek with the Venture Out program. Oh, right. Where they're gathering people, you know, every Friday night in the summer, people are coming together to just be together and interact, watch a movie, hear Throw a band. out your blanket. And it, yeah. Like it's one of the funnest things I think that they had brought back into our our little small town. Just yep. I'm sure there must be other cities that do stuff like that. I just of I don't course. know about them, but yeah, yeah they, they probably are. But but again, I know about the one I know. We about. just go to ours. The other thing that's going on down at the common that I'm excited about is the market they're going to put in. Yeah, down below City Hall. So the mm-hmm. first floor of the City Hall they're building is going to be a community market where you know they can have farmers markets or craft markets or things like that, and mm-hmm. it'll be kind of pop up type feel uh-huh. from what I understand. Uh-huh. But I'm excited to see how that turns out. Yeah. Yeah, it's very ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're, you know, it's, it's, I think they're very brave. Like we said, we're talking to Amy and you kind of get the sense of like, what we think this is going to work. <laughs> right. And that's great because you have to be courageous, I think, to, to put new things into the, yeah. into the environment. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so when we were um, kind of moving back to Utah, one of the things we, um, you always have to think about is, um, the LDS church, right? Because there's a lot of Mormons here and actually in Salt Lake, there's a lot of non-Mormons here. How do you see that as changing in the culture? If you do see it changing in the culture in Salt Lake? I actually think that um, it's one thing that one contrast that I remember noticing is that when I lived in Texas, I lived on a street with people who were religious in every house on the street, I bet. But these guys went to the Church of Christ, and these guys went to the LDS Church, and these guys went to the Baptist Church, and these guys went to the Episcopalian Church. But it was comfortable to talk about. Right. And it's unfortunate to me that my experience has been different than that in Utah, because there's such a feel of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints know each other Uh more, you know, more familiarly. Mm -hmm. Right. And... I think they do a really, I think we, I'm an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ, and I think we try really hard to engage all our neighbors and be welcoming and be friendly, but I think that there is a natural feeling of there's, and it's not a majority anymore, but for so long it was a majority, that there's the majority and the minority, and if you're not one of them, you're you're, You're the other part. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I actually think that. In a lot of ways, I think it's going to be a positive development as we see fewer and fewer members of the Church of Jesus Christ move into town. Mm-hmm. That even though I, I don't think that – I think that the members of the church are genuine in their desire to be friends with their neighbors. Right. But I think that it will be more healthy that it it doesn't become a, a – there's the majority and then there's everybody else. Right. And that it right. gets to more of a – a mix of people where, you know, people will know who the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are, but they'll also just be okay with the fact that that's one in three or one in four of the houses on their street. And rather than feel like they're other, right. instead, everybody can just understand that 
that people are people and we all want to get along. We're all, yeah, you know, we're all just neighbors. Right. Yeah. Glad to know each other. Right. Yeah. When you have this, like you said, when you have this imbalance, this minority majority sort of a thing, you end up getting this kind of polarization. Yeah. And I remember a uh, long time ago seeing an article in um, Salt Lake Weekly, you know, kind of that little newspaper they print. That said, you're, it was really interesting because they talked about the contrast between Salt Lake and a lot of other cities, where in Salt Lake, you're immediately kind of categorized. It's not a judgment. It's just kind of a categorization. You're, you know, LDS, you're Mormon, or you're not. And from there, you start to make other associations. And I think that's kind of fading now. I, I think it is, and I think it's going to be a good thing. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I don't wish everybody was... Yeah, you know, shared my faith. I love my faith and I wish it's been great for my life and it's important to me, but I am excited about there being less of a barrier between me and my neighbors. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Less of that polarization, right? Yeah. 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 I think it's, I think it's true and I think it's important. And, um, and the more that you're, or I should say, the more that we're involved with the community and stuff like that, the more that we feel that as well. Yeah. Like here in Mill Creek, especially because that's one place where we've established our little theater and, but we just want open arms. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like Mill Creek Common. I mean, it's not obviously a church run organization. It's, you know, it's city. It's for everybody in the city. Um, and so I think these organizations stand up besides religions and they kind of come up together and build community together. At least that's what we see. Yeah. Well, yeah. I thought one thing I guess that popped out for me in kind of that is that like the roller skating and the ice skating is open on Sunday. And that was just something, you know, like you wouldn't normally, I mean, maybe 10 years ago, you wouldn't have seen that, you know, for even a city thing, but that they realize that other people are doing things and that's, you know, part of the community and stuff. And I thought that was a really good step to kind of yeah, not have your doors closed, yeah. have them open. It's interesting. Well, <laughs> if you're moving here, it's interesting to realize that, you know, a lot of places still are closed on Sunday. Right. So, you know, <laughs> but not <laughs> everything. Well, we were doing another podcast uh, about a real estate podcast that we had a section in it called, um, <laughs> What's open on Sunday? What's open on Sunday? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever we call it, and we'd always find something like this place is open on Sunday, and it's cool. You can go there, and 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 I think that's just kind of loosening up a little bit. But I think it's important to remember too. It is kind of a Utahism. It is uh, that hangs out. Yeah. Although I'll I'll say this, you know, Germany has a culture where uh, everything closes about six o'clock on Saturday, Mm -hmm. and so Saturday night and Sunday, and this was twenty years ago, so maybe it's changed, but. Things were closed on Sunday in Germany and it didn't have really? anything to do with Mormon church right. or any other it's church. It's just cultural. It's just cultural. Right. Uh, and, you know, there is something to be said for Sunday being a, a day that, that you is rest. slower. Yeah. It's more restful. That it is. Yeah. Our kids, so. that's how they want it to be. <laughs> they only yeah. want to get dressed on and we, Sunday. And we love Sundays because, you know, as non-Mormons, we like to kind of have the streets to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like half the city is doing their thing and we're doing our thing. Um, but yeah, it's funny. Well, I think it is. I think it's becoming more of a uh, metropolitan city in a good way. Yep. Uh, I don't see a lot of bad things really entering Salt Lake. And I don't know, maybe that's rose colored glasses or not, but it seems like the, the cultures that are moving in and kind of mixing, uh, Utah has this affinity for openness, this affinity for leaning into being friendly, you know, and people well, always mention that when they come here. I think you see that a little bit with um, with 
the attitude towards refugees in Utah. Yeah. I mean, you see so many red states who have been reluctant to welcome refugees in any way. And in a contrast to that, our governor has sent letters to the immigration services saying, hey, we'd love to take more immigrants, send them yeah. our way. Mm-hmm. They're welcome here. We want them to be here. They're right. our neighbors, our friends. Yeah. And I think Mill Creek City is doing a great job of reaching out to the refugee community and, and trying to make them feel welcome. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Yeah, we talked to Marianne Furman on the podcast, and she talked a little bit about that and uh, how um, she has some funny stories that we'll, she shared on that as well, but just how, yeah, refugees and just that sense of openness. And that contrast is really important to point out. We're a red state. There's more conservatives here than non-conservatives, right? But they have such open hearts. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, not that other states or not the red states don't, but I think you notice it here in the political and social and economic factors that, that, that play out. Well, like you you say hi to everybody on the road or something, or, you know, I don't know. We're just in general, a friendly state. We're working with a a couple of clients right now who are from, um, not here. Right. (laughs) Um, and, um, well, one's from Canada, one's from Australia and they lived in San Francisco for a long time. And they're getting a place uh, in one of the northern uh, northern cities. And it's funny to watch them kind of react because in San Francisco, of course, everybody kind of keeps to themselves and it's that insular feeling that just becomes part of who you are. And now people are just walking by them. When we were out in front of a house, we were looking at them, they're waving at them and they're like, Hi. But that's just Utah, you know, that's just, especially when you get out farther away where that sense of community is a little bit stronger. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We like to do something uh on these podcasts where it's kind of free association. And we have these Utahopoly cards okay. that we tend to use. So when we say one of these, just whatever memory or whatever thought or whatever um, what idea comes to mind. It's your acting gang. Okay. Right? <laughs> so um, and we might use the cards or we might not. We'll see. Um, but let's start with, um, oh, Wasatch Mountains. Well, the Wasatch Mountains are just, I love hiking in the mountains. Um, that's something I love to do. And and. The foothills and the mountains are right there, so it's not hard to get up and go for a hike, even if you just have an hour to go do it. Yeah. And what's your favorite season in the mountains? Fall. Fall, because yeah. of the colors. Yeah. And summer's good, too. Uh, Excuse me. Summer's good, too. Yep, summer's yeah. good, too. Whoops. <laughs> Very dramatic. Fry sauce. Fry sauce? Uh-huh. Huh? Uh, <laughs> I love fry sauce. <laughs> when I lived away from Utah, I had to explain to people what it was I wanted. And uh, everybody here knows what fry sauce is. Right. So. But for those that don't. For those that don't. I mean, don't, what do you it's uh, what do you use fry sauce for? <laughs> you use it fries. for fries and onion rings and a hamburger, maybe. Yeah. And there are probably other things that people yeah. use it for. And fry sauce is nothing more than mayonnaise and ketchup, usually. Well, it gets right. better if you mix barbecue sauce. Yeah, I, think oh. I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. Training table, do yeah. you remember? And I heard that a training table is coming back. I heard that, but I don't know where or when. So the, what I heard was that they were going to start with some food trucks that oh, had the training table cool. menu, and then they were going to try and find a new location for reopening cool. a brick and mortar. <sighs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, because it was a total standard. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Talk about um, Lagoon. We haven't talked about Lagoon. You have kids. 
Lagoon. You know, they do okay for a small town amusement park. Mm-hmm. They've they've made a lot of investments the last few years to build a lot of new coasters. And so I think since the year 2000 or so, they've probably built six or seven new yeah. roller coasters out there. Yeah. And actually, there's some pretty good roller coasters yeah, out there. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's, they're not amateurish. Right. Yeah. Do you guys so, go every year? Do, I, do we go every year? Uh-huh. No, we've been... On and off. There was a year, in fact, it was 2020, the year of the pandemic, our kids got for Christmas season passes to Lagoon. Oh, wow. And then Lagoon did not open that summer. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, no. so did they give rolled, you your money back? <laughs> yeah, they rolled them forward to the next year. So the summer of 2021, but I swear the park was just jam-packed with people. I think they had twice as many people. Yeah. yeah. So, we to go. so it was uh, it was kind of a bust in my opinion. But my kids, some of my kids here and there bought passes with their friends and go... Well, it's like the Quite biggest place, the biggest little place in Utah to yeah. go for a, like a coaster amusement park. And it's, uh, yeah. it's fun. And they have a flavor to it. And it's, it's not just, I don't think it's just rides. They try and do, they try and make it like there's Pioneer Village. Yeah. They try and make it feel a little bit more grounded in the community. Well, back in the day, I mean, I like, I like historic Lagoon too. When I think about Lagoon, you know, I used to have an enormous swimming pool with an enormous high dive mm-hmm. and a big and completely unsafe metal slide. <laughs> That you could <laughs> slide right down into the water on. <laughs> of the course. lawyers got a hold of that, and now there's no more pool and no more slide and no more high dive. So. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, one more go. Um, oh, Jiminy Crickets. Oh, Jiminy Crickets. Uh, oh, Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, I associate that with Thank you. <laughs> and Tracy. Yeah. Strangely enough. Utah State Fair. Oh, I've been to the fair. In fact, I worked at the fair when I was a teenager. I sold snow cones out of a snow cone booth that would park out at the fair. Uh huh. And how much did you make an hour when you did uh, that? Four and a quarter. Nice. <laughs> nice. That was pretty good. Big money at the time. <laughs> <laughs> what and year was that? Do you remember? That would have been 1991. 1991. Yep. Yeah. The fair is fun. It's uh, it's not something I've been to every year, but I've probably been to it three or four times since then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are good times out there. There's a little rodeo that goes on along mm-hmm. with it. And you should have a couple like, bands too. You should have yeah, some bands. bands coming in almost yeah. every night. And then I like I like walking through the livestock barns. Uh-huh. It's just fun to see all these pigs. And you know, I don't see a lot of pigs. <laughs> all in one place. Right? Creek, but <laughs> there they are. That's awesome. All right. Well, Ted, thank you so much for being on the show. I think that's um, that's a great perspective on Utah. So I really appreciate you. We really appreciate you yeah. uh, coming over. And uh, Glad to share. Yeah. Thanks. You're the best, Ted. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right.